Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And welcome to Generation BSC, our week-by-week re-examination of the Babysitter's Club series through the eyes of our micro-generation, aka Kate's favorite phrase, here it comes, <sighs> elder millennials. No, we're claiming it back. We are now the... Generation BSC. Yes, we have our own name. We don't have to keep saying Elder Millennials, even though, like I said last week, you're going to say it every time. I really wasn't going to until, until, it, I, until yeah. I called you out. You're like, yep, challenge accepted. Um, but sort of before we jump into the Babysitter's Club, speaking of like our micro generation, yes. I was having drinks with a friend last week and I like stumbled upon this like perfect description of our micro generation. I love it. Lay and it on me. I have to say, I don't know if I like... Because obviously we've been reading a lot about our microgeneration as we were starting to figure out this whole idea for this podcast. So it's very, very possible that I read this somewhere and internalized it and then it like popped back up while I was out. That would um, never happen. No, I exactly. So if I came up with it, I'm amazing. I'm not going to claim ownership of this just in case because I know there You're are... You're not going to Dane Cook it? Exactly. There, we don't want any plagiarism. You know, we're just starting out. We don't need any of that bullshit. Right. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of elder millennials, I just made a Dane Cook reference. I'm sure there are plenty of like work who? recent <laughs> comics that stole people's jo- routine. Accurate. But that was the first one that came to mind. I mean, that's like the big one that I remember. Yeah. Back that was... from like when I did a lot more like comedy album listening. Yeah. Um. But anyway. Okay. So Generation VSC. We've got Generation X. We've got millennials. We've got us right in the middle. So I was out with my friend, um, a colleague, getting drinks after work. And she is probably at least 10 years older than I am. So she is solidly Generation BSC. And so we were just sort of catching up. And she's like, You mean Generation on? X? Generation X. I mean, I was it's like, so like ingrained in my brain. I know. Too. I was she's so solidly, following you. She's solidly exactly our age, obviously. <laughs> I was like, Being wait, 10 years older. Did you, I, I fully was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And then right, you were like, what? Yes. She's solidly Generation X. And as we were like talking, just catching up, she was filling me in on her life. I was filling her in on mine. And I was like, oh yeah, I started this podcast, blah, blah, blah. Here's what it's about. Babysitter's Club, Generation BSC. She was like, okay, I, I know I'm Generation X. Like, what are you talking about? And I came up with this description probably because we were out at a bar. And I mean, it was after work. It was not like a bar bar. But like, I was sort of thinking about Generation X is the group of people that's out at a bar that a question comes up. It's about a fact, something verifiable. Generation X is the gen- is the group of people that will continue to argue. They'll just argue, argue, argue. They'll never, no one will ever agree. They'll never be like, hey, we should check this out, figure it out. Millennials are the group that a question will arise, immediately pull out their phone. Oh, I know the answer to that. Wikipedia says blah. Or, you know, that, there was an article in the New York Times last week. It says this. Our micro-generation is both. We will have the conversation and argue, 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 and then finally someone will be like, okay, I'm just going to check. I think we've had the whole conversation. Oh my gosh, that is such a perfect description. I I just had a flashback, um, true story. My dad, God, this must have been five years ago at this point, um, who is not even Generation X. (laughs) Um, He um, was at... uh, a golf weekend with a bunch of his brothers and Mm. they had been arguing about whether or not um god why can't i think of his name bruce jenner was dead um and he had already transitioned to caitlin and so rather than look it up they all had iphones he used that iphone to call me to ask ask me (laughs) if bruce jenner was dead and i was like well i mean technically no 
Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Jenner no longer exists, exists but, but but dead, no. <laughs> um, but okay, so to be fair, he doesn't have an iPhone. Sorry, dad. It's an Android. And um, also it has the internet. It has he the capability to do that. They, it like, has Google too. Exactly. Everybody had the chance to do that. And rather than think to do that, I'll they actually call called me. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's perfect. Um, I read something else. It was a tweet that I meant to write down who tweeted it. Um, it was somebody was arguing about, you know, boomers versus millennials, all right. of that, like one of the bazillion BuzzFeed lists. And um, they were like, millennials were talking about how much they hate boomers. Boomers were talking about how much they hate millennials. And some Gen Xers was like, meanwhile, we're in the middle and hate both of y'all. And I was like, <laughs> accurate. That's fair. That's fair. Um, the other one, it was it was from a BuzzFeed lips lips. Wow, I can't talk I, today. I don't list. Know. <laughs> um, they uh, referred to the uh, like the micro generation as we're calling it um, as on the cusp, ah. like horoscopes. And I was like, uh, I like that too. So that I'm going to start stealing that. So we're millennials <laughs> on the cusp of generation. I was going to say we're we're generation X millennial rising. rising. Yeah, that's exactly. I yeah, depending on my mood. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know enough about astrology and astrology. To I know I'm a Taurus. End of list. I like, know it's called astrology and not astronomy. Although I do make that mistake often. Fair. Okay. So with that being yes. said, after going through our whole re-spiel about our generation, generation, microgeneration, let's focus that generational knowledge on the Babysitters Club. So, what are we up to this week, my friend? Um, we are talking about the truth about Stacy. Oh yes, this... which is the third book in the series. And I think, did you want to do the back of the book description? Yes. So the truth about Stacy was um, released in December 1986, and this one was actually written by Anne M. Martin. We are still in the OG BSC phase. Original. I think I read something this week or last week. It sounds like it doesn't sound like the article I read said she wrote the first 35. That so, makes sense. So ghostwriters aren't going to start popping up for quite some time. All right. So we will – how about this? We're not going to note every week that it was Anna Martin. <laughs> right. We'll pop in and chime in when we start coming up to the yes, ghostwriters. It's going to be a little while. Okay. But now for the important part. Yes. The back of the book. <laughs> <clears throat> the truth about Stacy is that she has – dun, dun, dun – diabetes. OMG. Nobody knows except her friends in the Babysitter's Club. But even they don't know the real truth about Stacy. <gasps> Stacy's problem is her parents. They won't admit that she has the disease, and they drag her to practically every doctor in America. Seeing so many doctors made Stacy lose friend, lose one friend, and she won't let it happen again. Especially now, when the Babysitter's Club needs her more than ever. That is so much more dramatic than the reality of it. Yeah. I mean, I've feel like I we're feel, getting a theme here. Yeah, the back of the book is always super dramatic and, like, picks out, like, one tiny piece and, like, expands it. Because it's, like, there's more dramatic things that happen in this book than Stacey's diabetes. Like, exactly. That's the, like, lesser story. Even though it's the Stacey-specific story, like... it, I would kind of rank it as a B-plot. It, it really is the B-plot. Um, so before we dive in and let you actually tell us what happens, I just need to note... The real truth about Stacy is that her parents are the problem. So, first of all, truth implies some kind of secret or lie. Right. Um, we've just never heard about them before, so whatever. And we'll talk about this as we talk about the plot, but um, they won't admit she has the disease. That's a gross mischaracterization. Yes. So, um, before we get into our big ideas, 
Kate, why don't you um, sum up the actual plot for us? Yeah, after after our last episode, as we got to the end and we were like, um, we haven't even talked about what the plot <laughs> actually is. We should probably start doing a summary. So <clears throat> going forward, we're going to be doing our summary. And um, I sort of, like we were sort of talking about, a plot, B plot. There's always sort of the the character specific plot, and then the Babysitters Club general plot, which has been the case so far. So we'll far, see. I'm I, based on my recollections. It sort of remains that way, and that's why they get into like the super specials because those are everybody's, everybody's story. Oh, that's right, because they trade between yeah, the each chapter is a different narrator. So I think that it's probably going to be generally like that, but. For the time being, that is how I'm going to structure these summaries. So, okay, cool. So let's start one, with Stacy. Stacy's specific. Um, so she explains her diabetes and the issues with her parents. Her parents' issues are basically they're searching for a miracle cure that involves taking her to multiple doctors and impermanence in her, in her treatment. So things keep getting switched around and she hates it. So it's not that they don't think that she has the disease. It's that they don't want to admit that there is no cure for diabetes. Right. They want to fix it. And they also don't really tell anyone about it. So that, that's it. why okay. they're they're in denial. It's not that they're in denial that she has it. It's like, well, we can fix it. And we don't want anyone to know until we fix it, basically. It. Okay. Um, and then she also lets us know why she left New York. And it's basically for the same reasons. Her parents were pulling her out of school so much for all of these different doctors and tests. And so she really didn't have the opportunity to succeed in, sc- in school, whether on an educational or a personal level and she loses her best friend lane partially because her parents aren't telling anyone what's going on so stacy also doesn't tell anyone what's going on got it um so once sort of in the, the present moment of the book um stacy's parents have found a whole ass holistic medicine doctor that they want to take her to um but she eventually at through feeling uncomfortable about that process she finds a personal agency and takes back some control regarding her medical treatment with the help of dr johansson which is charlotte's mom who's a doctor as I just said, Dr. Yeah, Johansson. Yeah, well, we got it. Um, and then at but the a end medical of the book, doctor. She could have been a... <laughs> that's true. She could be some sort of, you know, PhD. Yeah. But she's an actual medical doctor. Um, and then sort of to wrap up Stacey's storyline, at the end of the book, she goes back to New York to see new doctors. She makes up with Lane and they're friends again. Awesome. Uh, was the holistic doctor yay, nay? He was a nay. Was I think a nay. we'll get into that when we talk about our great ideas. But Perfect. Through Stacy coming back, finding her personal agency about her medical treatment, they move past the quack doctor, as Dr. Johansson refers to <laughs> Yes. <laughs> because she's awesome. Because she's, she's the best. Um, so then moving on to the sort of overarching Babysitter's Club general um, discussion or plot. So there is a rival business that pops up, the Babysitter's Agency, which is um, – they start stealing clients and jobs because they have a lot more kids and the kids are older that are babysitting. And so they're perceived as being maybe more mature and qualified and able to babysit later at night and maybe for longer periods of time, which makes it difficult for the Babysitter's Club because they are sort of limited because they're only 12 and there's only the four of them. So throughout the, the over the course of the book, the Babysitter's Club fights back and eventually they put the Babysitter's Agency out of business because the older kids are mostly not very competent or reliable and do some pretty shady shit that we're going to talk about. Yeah, we'll get to dig into the big kids. Yeah. Um, so then by the end of the book, you know, it's like we said previously, like it's very sitcom-y. Everything yeah. sort of goes back to normal. The clock is reset, but things go back to normal after the Babysitter's Club proves they are most responsible and they're the best choice for babysitting in Stony Brook. And as sort of an aside, Mrs. Newton has her baby. Yeah, It's a girl named Lucy Jane. Lucy Jane. She, oh, I love babies. I, I want know. to play with a so baby. Cute. So cute. Um, yeah, there was a woman um, with a baby behind me in line at the grocery store the other day. And I was like, mm, 
How weird would it be if I was just like, can I hold your baby? Can I hold your baby, please? Because um, I love nothing more than playing with babies. I don't really particularly want to keep one. Yeah. I just I, I like, like to play limited, with them. My limited playtime and then back to mom Pass and it dad. off. That's the best part about um, having friends with kids or soon enough of being an aunt. Come on, siblings. Let's oh, get yeah. on this. Working on it. Um, so, um, so now that we know what's going on and we have a, the general overview – um, let's dig into our big ideas. Great ideas. Oh, great. You're right. Christy's great. <laughs> Lord. It, let me tell you, it has been a day. It has so, been So um, the fact that I'm even semi-coherent, is, I'm, I'm calling it a victory. It is a victory. Okay, so Kate, what is your gr- first great idea? Well, I think sort of as it has been our track record, I again, it's only the third episode, but it sort of feels like we're finding, finding a groove. our groove and things sort of seem to keep working out the same way. So like with our great ideas... We each come up with two, and we sort of seem to keep picking each. Our two are both like sep, like I two. My one and your one are the same, and my two and your two are the same. Yes, we generally come up with similar themed great ideas. Yes, we we both have great ideas that are great in the same ways. So um, I'm gonna contribute attribute uh, part of that to us being best friends for a million years and thinking alike, and part of it is. There are only a hundred pages in these novels. There, you know, oh, come on, one hundred and fifty. Okay, so we're not <laughs> Although, exactly with the size of the font and the amount of blank space on each of those pages. It's probably more like seventy-five. Yeah. Let's be honest. So, um, so we're not exactly <laughs> like, not like deep James dive. Joyce <laughs> level analysis happening here. Oh, there, there we go. There is a new, a future very special episode. We're gonna read Ulysses, and we're gonna get to the bottom of it finally. Uh, listen, I was an English major and I boycotted that book and I, to this day, have not read it. Will not. I, like, it's one of those ones that I have a list of classic novels that I should eventually read and will. That one is on my, just, I'm not doing it. Let's just pass over that one. Yeah. Um, I I think that's fair. So, we are not talking about James Joyce. No, we are are in fact going to talk about our great ideas. So, um, so let's go with the first one that we both sort of have themes mm. around. I think it was it was sort of dealing with like maturity and older versus younger, Stacy's personal agency as she becomes more mature, um, you know, the babysitter's agency versus babysitter's club. So I think your sort of idea was much more broad than mine because mine really was sort of focused on Stacy. I don't know if you wanted to start with yeah. a general conversation about Probably Babysitter's Agency versus Babysitter's Club, Club, since that's like the main drive of the maturity conversation in this one, but... Absolutely. So, um, we have had a lot of conversation around the idea of being babyish and how being babyish is the worst thing you could possibly be. Um, But to this point, the only real kids we have interacted with um, are our babysitters and their contemporaries. So, it's been who is more mature within your own age range. Or and then the adults, so it's been very much, and there has been a but some us and them tension, right? Um, that's continued in Stacy's plotline, which I'll know you'll get into in your great idea. Um, but uh, for me, I was really struck by the wrinkle that they put in that babyish conversation by adding older kids, mm-hmm. the big kids, right? Kids that are not not seventh graders, but they're eighth graders and high schoolers, and so they're like you said, they're contemporaries. Yeah, so they are. Um, it actually older and that like the people that they think they I, I just remember being in seventh grade and looking at high school kids and thinking they were a million years older than so me. much more mature and like they could drive or even the even the freshmen that couldn't drive but it was like they just felt so 
mature exactly. and advanced and like like I, I you would feel like a baby as much as you didn't want to be a baby it's like I am so babyish compared to that kid exactly so I think that that was being competition in competition with perceived much older kids mm-hmm. um really struck a nerve with right. our babysitters and that perception of because they're older, they are more mature and responsible, um, is what led to their initial success, right? The parents right. are like, oh, yeah, absolutely. High school kids. Um, we mentioned Mrs. Newton had the baby, and the babysitters were super excited to babysit this infant, and she had to very gently and nicely and not unreasonably right. say, hey, I am not okay with leaving a literal week-old right. newborn exactly. with 12-year-olds. Um, and like I said, I don't think that's terribly no. crazy. Well, and I think they don't even, and partially probably because they're only 12, they probably haven't been around a lot of newborns, but they're, when they have that conversation with Mrs. Newton, they're like, oh, well, we've babysat babies before. This It's no big deal. And, and I think I think maybe it's Stacy says, like, one was like three months and one was 10 months. And she, Mrs. Newton is very, again, very nicely, but like, a newborn baby is very different from a three-month-old, and a three-month-old is very different from a ten-month-old. Like babies grow at such, you know, an exponential pace almost that it's like, yeah, you could babysit a three-month-old and be fine, but like this is a literal newborn. Exactly. Like she's like a week old. Although, sort of to bounce off of that, like there's multiple times when Jamie and Lucy have babysitters in the like weeks after, after she's like where's mrs newton going, going. I know, she literally did just give like how often right. do they need babysitters because yeah, there, there's at least like three jamie has had at least three babysitters yeah by we get to the end I mean, we don't have to get to that part of the conversation yet but like he references like th- at least yeah, three different babysitters true. and maybe lucy wasn't there every time but like at least once that we know of lucy is in the house with the babysitter while jamie is outside that's a great point. I don't know many brand new mothers who are like, peace. Right, exactly. Like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go now. Like, I could understand because I think at one point Stacy's babysitting for Jamie and it's because Mrs. Newton has taken Lucy to the, the doctor. Yes. Like to, for a, and a then wellness checkup or whatever. They mentioned that they did um, like an in-home, like she was at home. That's true. Doing like a meeting and they babysat, they watched the kids right. while she was in she the was house. She was there in case. And that anything. makes total sense. But even... Wow, even I never I didn't really think about it because I was thinking about them as older than our babysitters. I don't know many moms who leave their newborn with a babysitter, period. They right. usually grandparents or aunts and uncles, not just right. here's An a random eighth grader. Eighth grader. And <laughs> to be clear, the way the babysitters club agency works is um basically there are two ringleaders who run the show, somebody calls them, they do the work for you. So they don't have meetings like our girls. They um, call Call any- one of those two girls and then they track down the people to do the, the potential babysitters for the job. Correct. So um, the perception is, like I said, that these are older, more responsible kids. And really just occurring to me right now, these parents know nothing about these mm-hmm. kids. They are trusting these two random girls to find them a babysitter. Right. And then are just leaving just their kids with them. Just sort of sight unseen. And then in the case of the Newtons, leaving their infant newborn with them. Um, so p- clearly there's some maturity issues across the board. <laughs> Even the parents need to grow um, up a little bit. But circling back to uh, my initial point, um, we talked a lot of, I, I keep using the word perception because as we're finding out as we go forward, um, older does not mean more mature. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is, 
Kate, why don't you tell us what the, um, since you're handling our plot summary, what actually brought down the BSA? What was the incident? So the incident is, um, well, so I guess first of all, um, Stacy ended up, ends up babysitting for Jamie Newton, just Jamie, when Lucy and Mrs. Newton are at the doctor in an afternoon. And then later that night, she ends up also babysitting for Charlotte Johansson. And at both of those um, babysitting jobs, she finds out that both of those kids are very upset with the essentially the quality of the babysitters that they're getting because they're used to the babysitters club who come they bring kit well i guess they they introduce kid kits in this one so Yay! going forward they won't bring kid kits because kid kits are amazing we're gonna but circle back to kid kits yes. don't you fret so but the the girls in the babysitters club are awesome babysitters they're they're the kind of babysitters you want your kids to have because Absolutely. they're engaging they want to have fun they don't just plop them down in front of a tv like the kids in the babysitters agency are doing or inviting their boyfriends over, or in the case of Jamie Newton's house, smoking in the house and burning a couch cushion and then just flipping it over. Like, when I read that part of the book, I was just, like, I had to put the book down and, like, I was so flustered that a babysitter, (laughs) not only that you're, like, being a terrible babysitter, you're also smoking inside the people's house and you burn the couch and just cover it up. Like, I, uh, yes. But so, Jamie is sad. Stacy thinks that he's sad because Lucy's around. He's like, no, why would you even think that? I love my sister. She's great. And he tells her about all these terrible babysitters. Then she goes to visit Charlotte and Charlotte's partially upset because she thinks that Stacy only wants to come babysit hers for the money. And Stacy's like, well, yeah, it's great that I get paid, but also I like you. Like I invited you to the big brother party that we had for Jamie. I wasn't babysitting you then. I like hanging out with you. You're great. And so she also tells Stacy about how the babysitters have been less than stellar. They don't help her with her homework. I think one of the girls, you know, Charlotte, although Charlotte gets bumped up a grade at the end of the book, so she clearly doesn't need that much help with her homework, but she yeah. asks her babysitter for some help. Her babysitter says, I'm too busy with my own homework, like buzz off kid, which terrible babysitter. Yeah. So Stacy tells both of them, you should tell your parents. But then the next day, Jamie is being babysat by Kathy Morris and he is the our four, the, the core four, are coming home from school. Um, Jamie lives on their street or very close to them. And he's outside. It's There's snow on the ground. He is in his coat, at least, but he doesn't have a hat. He doesn't have mittens. He is right by the street. Babysitter is nowhere to be found. And for the record, Jamie Newton, how old? Three. Yeah. That would be a toddler. Uh, yeah. Definitely not the age that he should be even playing outside alone, let alone by the street without a mittens or a hat. Yeah. And so... The girls all go home from there. They each, and this sort of goes to the maturity thing also, they each talk to their respective parental figure that's around. Christy calls her mom. Stacy talks to her mom at home. Claudia talks to Mimi. And they all, like, explain the situation because they want advice from their parents or loved ones. Marianne's dad is still at work, so she doesn't necessarily have anyone. But they all have the same conversation and all come to the same conclusion, like, we have to do something. So they go, they have a very mature conversation with Mrs. Newton, and they tell her what happens. She is horrified. And, Obviously, yeah. Right. And so she she's like, well... I'm done with them. I think she says there's one babysitter that they did find. Uh, I think it was like a 15 or 16 year old yeah. boy, which again, boy babysitter. Ooh, totally good. crazy. When Progressive I in the 86. Um, but so she's like, I'll probably use him again. But like those girls are done. Yeah. And 
she's like, I'm going to call everybody. And I think later she says, or Dr. Johansson says, that she called Christy's mom just in case. Yeah. <laughs> just in case Christy hadn't children. Just, just in case there's another, they would need another babysitter. Like, don't call the babysitter's agency because they are the, the worst. worst. So um, I just think that that is so telling that um, of the message that Anna Martin wanted to get out mm-hmm. to young girls, that being babyish has nothing to do with your age. Right. Being mature has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with your actions. Exactly. And um, they really are caught in in between this world where they know they're not old enough to babysit till 11 at night. Right. Or to drive the kids to soccer practice or whatever. So I'm trying to think of things that I did with kids, you know. Yeah. When I watch my friend's kids, I'll take them to the park. They can't don't have that ability to do that um but at the same time because they are closer in age to the kids they do get a unique perspective Mm -hmm. so like in the case of charlotte um her mom was convinced that her behavioral issues were solely based around school and while that was certainly part of it kate you mentioned that they skip her ahead it's because Mm -hmm. she'd been bored and her friend was losing friends because everybody thought she was too smart, um, sort of in a parallel to Stacy. No wonder Stacy um, bonds so much right. with Charlotte that they both felt like outsiders. But that's why it's important that Stacy is in her life, that she can right. figure that out and figure out it was also about the babysitters. And again, the Newtons just assumed that Jamie right. was acting out solely, like you mentioned, because of the new baby, which, by the way, com- again, completely reasonable right. assumption. That happens often. But it takes someone closer to that mat- the, the kid's maturity right. level to suss out that, no, they're upset because they're used to being engaged and excited and talked to like human beings right? Um, th- rather than ignored and treated as babies right. by these older babysitters. So I think that that's really um, sort of a fascinating tension and mm-hmm. that um, caught in the middle aspect of um, – Sorry, it just came to me and I got to do oh, it. No. Not a girl, not yet a woman. Oh, oh. oh I know. Sorry. Wah, wah. Um, it was it was just right there. Low hanging fruit. You walked right into it. Yep. You had to take it. Oh, God, I really wish I hadn't. But I mean, it's too late now. We, here it's we are. There. It's out there. Um, it exists. <laughs> can't take it back can't, now. No, no take backsies. Um, uh, of being in that space and mm-hmm. really feeling what it feels like to to want to be mature. And but not but also to want to hang on and retain your childhood. Right. They're they're not trying to grow up too fast. Yeah. Like again, their version of of babyish is um, not getting asked by a boy to the dance. Right. Um. But that seems to be like they. Stacy refers to um the boys from the last uh book, uh Pete Black and for her and Trevor Sanborn mm-hmm. for Claudia as their boyfriends, but they don't seem to really talk to each other no. outside of and school. And she still has a crush on Sam. Yes. So um they're clearly not like, oh, we're gonna try to act more like these older girls. Right. Um but they are sort of caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. Which I think ties in really well to your, and this is why we sort of lump them together, um, your Stacey-specific mm-hmm. caught in the middle between child and maturity around her body autonomy. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was sort of, as as it being my great idea, that was sort of one of the major things that jumped out to me reading this was, um, you know, Stacey's parents don't give her any 
any say in what she does. It's like, you're going to this doctor on this day. You're missing school. This is what you're doing for your treatment. The end. She doesn't even really get to ask questions. So it's it sort of makes it difficult for her because – like I said in, in the summary, she sort of has impermanence in how her treatment is going. She feels uncomfortable. She feels awkward. And then on top of that, she, I mean, she has this disease that she's not really willing and able to talk about in the first place. So that makes it difficult for her to connect with other people and have friends and not feel uncomfortable about that. And so the thing that, that sort of happens throughout the course of this this book is Stacy takes back that autonomy. She, she realizes, because the main reason that they go to New York and sort of the, the crux of this whole story is um, Stacy's parents have decided to take her to this holistic medicine doctor that um, Stacy's uncle saw on a talk show or something. And Stacy's mom like, a... buys in and like Stacy's mom, <laughs> Stacy's mom, Stacy's mom. <laughs> wow, we're getting, we're going <laughs> we're deep. deep. Deep cuts, early 2000s, mid, mid, mid? aughts. I don't, I don't know. know. Whatever. Um, like, Stacy's mom, if she was, like, if Stacy was 12 now, like, Stacy would probably not be vaccinated. Her mom would be all, like, clickbaity, Facebook, like, yep. insanity. Because she's, like, totally buys in and she's like, oh, well, this guy's going to, like, revolutionize your treatment. He's going to cure you, blah, blah, blah. So they have to go for three days of doctor appointments with Dr. Barnes, who Dr. Johansson says is a quack. <laughs> So just to emphasize how little control Stacy has in this situation, I, this is the quote that mm-hmm. um, it, when she's complaining about being dragged to this doctor, yeah, her dad says, Stacy, you are not in charge here. Your mother and I make the decisions. And she says, decisions about me, my body. And he said, well, that's what parents are for, Riley. Um, I, I like the Riley in there um, yeah. because he's it, it does prove he's not trying to be like a total ass right. about it he's just but that's still like it is this is how it is like that's what we're here for um i it, i think that that's in the same conversation where stacy's mom first tells him or tells stacy's mom first tells stacy about the dr barnes visit for the three days and they're sort of arguing a little bit and <laughs> stacy's dad comes in and says hey 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 what is going on here and i was like did mr belding just show up what is happening <laughs> like i read that and i was just like well, this was before Saved by the Bell, so maybe it's maybe they got that from here, or it's just. But the fact that it was hey, 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 yeah, was like that's so that's strangely so specific. specific, yeah. But or maybe that's just our pop culture brains right filling in Finding that line the reading, probably. And um, either way, it's just really telling that her parents just do not want to give up any control of right. this. They think they have a good idea. They want to run with it. They want Stacey to just go with it because they're the parents and she's the kid. And I think that the thing that's most interesting about this book is like, like you said, Stacy's like, it's my body, but her parents just sort of gloss over it. And so she goes to a trusted adult, Dr. Johansson, and is like, hey, my parents want to take me to this doctor. I... I feel like I'm in a pretty good place with how things are going now. I don't want to do this. And Dr. Johansson, to her credit, is like, well, I can't really step in. Like, it, you're not my patient. I, They're your parents. You do need to listen to them. But let's see what we can do to help you come up with something to make you feel more comfortable or figure out a way to approach your parents in another way. And the next time that they meet about it, which is right before Stacey is going to have her all her three days of appointments with Dr. Barnes, she's already come to her own conclusion which is, 
I want to tell my parents that I want to have more control and I want to try and find another doctor that's very well respected, respected with lots of diplomas. <laughs> uh, which, which is such a kid and I perspective. Think she said that yeah. like a couple of different times, but I understandable, like she's 12. So yep. she thinks if there's a lot of diplomas on the walls, that means he's for he or she is legit and mom and dad will have to trust him yep. or her. And so she comes up with, with this idea and she goes and talks to Dr. Johansson again and is like, hey, here's my plan can you help me and dr johansson is like that is exactly what i was going to suggest here's this doctor that i think would be a good a good option for this plan let me see if i can get you an appointment and she's able to get stacy an appointment at five o'clock on monday i think yeah because stacy's going to be gone like monday through wednesday from school right and so she's she writes her Dr. Johansson writes Stacy's parents a letter that sort of explains everything. She lets Stacy read it so she knows what it's going to say. And after the first day of tests at Dr. Barnes' office, which are mostly psychological tests, and she never even sees Dr. Barnes. And to their credit, the parents are already kind They're of already like, on. Eh, something is a little yeah. funky here. And I, I believe at some point, I think it's in the letter, Dr. Johansson outlines that like, here's what you can expect from a doctor like this, which right. is basically they go through all of these tests and then recommend a bunch of expensive right. um, treatments, procedures, right. none of which are actually harmful, but none right. of which are particularly yeah. helpful. Well, and they do. I think Dr. Hans- Johansson even says a couple different times, like, nothing's going to harm you. Like, yeah. nothing's going to be bad for Stacey. And it might even be that Dr. Graham, the, the good doctor, also says it. Right. Um, which is good that it's like, Clearly, her parents aren't trying to do anything bad, but they're also not doing anything necessarily good. And they, I do think, like you were saying, it, it helps that the parents are already sort of like, eh. Because yeah. the tests that, that Dr. Barnes wants to do on Tuesday and Wednesday are, like, super expensive and, like... And bizarre. Like, an IQ test was one of the tests he right. did. Like, what does that have to do with your diabetes? Exactly. And, like, inkblot tests and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but so it's it's nice that Stacy sort of has that lead in because I think it makes her parents a little bit more receptive. But they have a good conversation where Stacy sort of lays out all these points. She says, Dr. Johansson helped me get this appointment. It's at five. We need to go now. Here's the letter. So they, they're all sort of in the same place. And they're like, okay, let's go. We got the appointment. Let's check it out. Um, one thing that I thought was sort of interesting from that scene is they have to jump in a cab to get to the doctor's appointment on time. And Stacy says she like literally crosses her fingers. And that's was sort of one thing that as I was reading was like, that's kind of babyish. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And it's like, it really does sort of show that she wants to be mature and she's taking, she's taking some control of her body, but she also still is the type of kid that will literally cross her fingers because she wants to make sure that it goes well and the nice thing is that they get to see dr graham who is this well-respected um and i think even when when stacy's explaining like oh dr johansson helped me get this appointment with dr graham one of her parents is like i think i know that name i think yeah. he's very you know he's done a lot of research oh yeah they mentioned that they couldn't get into him for like there there's a long wait list mm-hmm. there and mrs jo- and dr. dr johansson is able to to make that connection and he's and he he talks to Stacy. That's all he does. You know, he doesn't really he doesn't do any real tests. He just sort yep. of goes through it. And it's it's sort of funny that we're looking down on the fact that it was mostly psychological tests with Dr. Barnes, and that sort of ends up being what saves Stacy with Dr. Graham. Yep. But that's really the most important thing is he he makes sure that he knows what's going on, what her treatment has been, how she's feeling, and he is able to help Stacy relay that to her parents to get them to understand where she's coming from and why she has been asking for more control. Um, so I think, um, as we're talking about this, I'm realizing that, um, 
my maturity level, our maturity level is feeding into this big mm-hmm. idea because um, as we've commented, I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast yet, but it's it's a running joke with us that we know we're getting old because we are um, more and more identifying with the grownups in <laughs> like teen movies yes. and teen shows. So um, true. And uh, oh God, I'll, I'll never forget the first time that that happened. I, I, went, I took a friend to see... One of the step up movies, like oh, three yeah. or four or something. And there was this big fight scene where the mom was like, I just want you to apply to college. She's like, You don't like as a backup. Right. And I, and he's like, You don't believe in my dreams and storms out. And I was like, That was a reasonable request. Right. And I was like, Oh boy, I'm, I'm, I'm old. Uh. Um, but for me, reading these books as a kid, I remember, um, being very judgmental of the adults in the equation. Right. Like, ugh, why can't the Newtons tell that these people are bad? Why are Claudia's parents so strict? Why is Marianne's dad right. so off the wall? Um, Stacy's parents are so mean, they won't, you know, take control. And as I get older and have a more clear perspective, I'm able to empathize with yeah. those parents I was going to say more. growing up helps you be a little bit more empathetic because it's yeah. a lot easier and not necessarily just because we're getting older because even reading this as like a 15 year old you'd probably have a more empathetic position but, exactly but, I mean what you're saying is accurate for sure I, I just I, I'm like in particular thinking of Stacy's parents like um trying to put myself in their shoes Mm -hmm. and how hard. So it's got to be hard no matter what when you have a child who is given essentially a life sentence. Mm -hmm. Diabetes is not – there's no cure. It is going to be something – she's going to have to manage for her whole life. And that's the key. She is going to have to manage. Although I will say when Stacey's explaining diabetes earlier in the book, she talks about how she could die. Oh, yeah. You know, and like – I don't remember that as a kid, but like that is, I mean, it's its true. Yeah. But it's a very like serious thing for them to say here. And for it to be in a kid's book, like diabetes could kill you. Yep. Um, I think that that is a pretty common thing with kids' books is like scare them with, <laughs> the, hey, here's mortality. Like, um, yeah, that's true. My girl and uh, <laughs> what was the one, A Taste of Blueberries or Blackberries or what was the do you I know feel like I'm you keep about? pulling out all these books that I have, like, literally no idea oh my what God. you're talking about. And I worked at a library in the children's room for years in high school. I am school. going to find you a taste of blueberries. It's blueberries or blackberries. I need to figure out which one came first, um, My Girl or that book, because they are essentially identical. Oh, really? <laughs> um, literally, die from bee stings, identical. Oh boy. Spoiler um, alert. Spoiler alert. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> very, very old spoiler alert. Yes. Um, if you are listening to this podcast and you don't know my girl, um, welcome. And um, <laughs> welcome to we have so much to teach you. <laughs> no, but um, so that is a pretty common like, but which is good. You're especially as a kid, you don't have any concept of your own right. mortality. But I just keep thinking about Stacy's parents to feel out of control to have this disease. And she's an only child. Exactly. And they talk about how they've had issues with they wanted to have more children right. and she can't get pregnant. And so that makes you overly protective. Um, and they have to rely on a 12-year-old girl to manage right. her own disease. And we know from being in Stacy's point of view that she is being really responsible. Right. But Maybe too, too res- responsible. Like yeah. When she – because uh, to sort of tangent. Oh, but, yeah. But related to the book. When she's babysitting Charlotte Johansson earlier in the book, and one of the things they do is they walk down to downtown Stony Brook and they go to the candy shop, and Stacy almost buys each of them one piece of white chocolate, like a small little piece. And then she, like, freaks out about how she almost – she can't believe she almost did that. And it's like that's how much she's internalized this, which is – 
part of why she needs this autonomy because she doesn't really know what her treatment is. Yep. She just knows like you can't eat candy. You have to eat only this food. If your mom says eat this, eat this and, you know, check your blood sugar. Yeah. So she does need to get more information. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're keeping too much from her. Right. Which actually goes into um, sort of my next piece of this maturity conversation mm-hmm. is around the secrets and lies. So one of the big tensions, like, because this book is called The Truth About Stacy, Stacy's diabetes is kept a secret. And that leads to them, directly leads to them leaving New York. Right. If they had been honest about what was going on, I don't think that they would have had any of those issues. So oh, Stacy's no. parents decide to keep it a secret. So Stacy internalizes that, and which makes sense. So she has this... It, it now makes sense why she felt so weird about telling the babysitters in book right. one because she had this internalized sense of shame that came directly from her parents. Right. She couldn't even tell her best friend Lane. Yeah. Because her parents didn't tell Lane's parents who were their best friends. And poor Lane, I'm I'm much more empathetic to her now too because at the time I was like, Stacy was sick. And she knew Stacy was sick because she had references. She fainted in school a number of times. And she went amb- to bed at Lane's house. Yeah. The ambulance was called. Like, they were major things. She was out of school for doctor's appointments and hospital stays. So, yes, yes obviously something was going they on. They were aware that she was sick. But with Stacy refusing to tell her what was going on, of course Lane is going to pull away right. and feel uncomfortable. And especially, I mean, anybody, if somebody gives you just a snippet of information but not all of it your natural inclination is to fill in the gaps right well and, and that sort of goes back to what we were talking about last week with imagination and yeah kids just sort of running wild and right you get lane knows stacy has to go to the hospital go to the doctor and like because and some kid she lane tells her later when they're making up like some kid that they go to school with said that stacy was contagious yeah and they don't even know with what so it's like She's contagious. I don't I don't want to be around Stacy. Like I might catch it and I don't even know what the risk would be of me catching what she has cuz I don't know what's wrong with her. It, it's obviously scary and real right. enough. And then when Stacy just essentially up and moves and disappears, that's got to right. con- confirm all of those scares that they had there. Um and then so I think it's interesting uh, the lack of maturity Mm-hmm. Shown by Stacy's parents in this for again for very understandable right reasons for some things, but um, I, I think secrets always lead to shame on mm-hmm. some level. Um, I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. I love her to death, and she it talks all about vulnerability and shame. Mm-hmm. That's where her research is around, and she really believes that shame is one of the most serious driving forces mm-hmm. um, of of negative outcomes and emotions um and uh, it's no wonder stacy's feeling shame because she's told we can't talk about this right Uh, because her parents are clearly feeling some level of shame about shame is what stops you from sharing basically right so there's there's clearly some level there um that that is not is not working um at the same time um that secrets and lies carry theme Late motif, like it's a minor theme, I guess. Um, wow, nerd. Um, it ties into the Babysitter's Club agency because they're not strictly lying, mm-hmm. but they're allowing you to, again, make your own assumptions right. based on age. They're not telling you anything about whether or not this person is responsible. They're saying they're 17, so. Right. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's funny. It's sort of, I was just looking at what our great ideas are. We've sort of already transitioned into our yeah. second great ideas, which is sort of dealing with the interpersonal relationships between the various groups, whether it's adults or kids or the babysitter's agency and the babysitter's club, Stacy and Lane, um, you know, Charlotte and her classmates even. Because that, that's something that I did notice that Charlotte's still sucking her thumb at eight. So I can understand maybe why the kids in her class have a little bit of babyish teasing because she gets yeah. called a baby eight too. Yeah, which so it uh, that sort of transitions completely away from what we were talking about. But like that was the next big thing we wanted to talk about, and especially when it comes to like the babysitters agency versus the babysitters club and tying back into that secrets and lies. Like like you said, it's it allows the uh, adults to just assume that the babysitters agency is. A better choice because they have more babysitters and they're older. And, and like, they are shady as hell because they do flat out lie to our core four. Yes. The two two girls pretend to join the babysitters club because the babysitters club in an attempt to try to fight back, for lack of a better word. Okay, they they call they say they're fighting back repeatedly. I was like, really, you're competing. Yeah, they're, you're not, they're, right. They are not. They're taking a stand. They're yes. taking action to take a stand. Correct. But I think it's an important distinction to make because they are not actually taking action against they're the They're not trying agency. to undermine them, no. They're, they're not trying to put them out of business at first. They're just trying to compete with them. Right. They only determined to, quote unquote, take them down after the big lie, which is um, – the what what you were talking about the yeah fake. so one of the things that the state or not Stacey Christy comes up with a few ideas for ways to try to fight back improve themselves to compete well no um, they call it fight back yeah I they think do they do call it fighting back yeah. but like you said it, it's they're just trying to up their their game essentially yes so that they can be a, a more competitive rival to the babysitters agency who's taking all their jobs one of those is the kid kits, kits. yes i'm which, so excited about the for kid anyone kits. who has not read these books recently the kid kits are essentially a box that each of the babysitters has that they decorate in whatever way they want and they fill it with fun things to take over because they have this idea because the best thing when you were a kid was going over to someone else's house and like marianne points out like she loved going to christy's house because they had she had louie the dog yeah and you know she had she had a big family and like they liked going over to claudia's house because she had the art supplies and like mimi was great and all of that so um and i think stacy even references that lane oh they she does yeah. she references that she used to love going over to lane's house because her mom would keep milky ways in the freezer and it was amazing and the girls are all like what are you talking about you have diabetes and she's like well, not obviously always. before i got yeah. sick um but one of the other ideas that stacy or that Chris, i keep saying stacy that christy has is to try to get some older members to join so they start recruiting and they, you know what that's a great and, idea right, why and obviously it works out down the line yeah spoiler alert the the babysitters club is going to get bigger as we continue through the series and so it, and they think let's try to get maybe some eighth graders if we can maybe some high schoolers just because they recognize what they're they're lacking is their ability to babysit later and for longer and so they are able to find two girls that join them uh janet and something and they are to their credit initially suspicious they say hey aren't you friends with yeah and they're like no well we had a falling out we didn't like them so we want to join your club instead exactly and now granted i am looking at this as a grown-ass 30 year old 30 plus but i was like (laughs) come on guys like clearly like do a little bit of research but they're 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 not necessarily desperate but like they they're like 
these are the only two girls we found. Jane and, and Leslie are the names. We and they're like, why why wouldn't they want to join our club? We're great. We offer great services. People love us. Blah blah blah. But so these two girls join. They come to their first meeting on a Friday, and they each get a babysitting job for over the weekend on Saturday night. Monday, the Babysitters Club has their next meeting, and they get calls from both of the people that Janet and Leslie were supposed to babysit for. They just didn't show up. They didn't call. They didn't show up. And they did it on purpose. That is so intense. Just like for a moment, I'm thinking as a 15-year-old, that is next level um, vicious. Right. And uh, so- 13, not 15. Oh, yeah. They're they're eighth graders. graders. That's right. That's right. Right? That is, uh, uh, like, that's that's, next level. That's Cokie Mason level Level shit. Yes. (laughs) Poor Cokie. Um, uh, She's not even around yet. She's already our punching bag. Well, her and Mallory. I have so many strong feelings about Cokie Mason. Yep. And Mallory. Yep. Although I do think, I think we might just be misremembering Mallory. Because since we posted our first episode, I have had multiple people be like, I kind of identified with Mallory. Mallory. And I'm like, well, I like you. And I liked you when you were younger when you identified with Mallory. So like, maybe I'm just wrong. So here's my fear. (laughs) I'm terrified that we both hated Mallory because we saw way too much of ourselves in Mallory. I feel like that might be Yep. I'm like, in some of her like, look at me, look at me, and bad decision making, and wanting to be an author and go to the fancy private school, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh right. Okay. Maybe I, maybe could, I recognize maybe, myself in maybe, that. You know, because the, um, actually, that's one of the things that I train when we're talking about, like, personality types and communication styles is your, um, biggest area of concern is usually someone who is a complete opposite of you. Right. But a very close second are people that are too similar exactly. to you. Because you have a tendency to pick out, you know what you don't like in yourself in that other person. Right. Um, and I, I've certainly been guilty of that in the past. <laughs> yes. So we'll, we'll see. That is fair. Um, um, well, one thing, so after that happens and they decide, like, we're going to take him down, they confront them at school and, well, I guess they confront them and then they find out and then Christy cries. And then later, after the stuff with Jamie, where Mrs. Newton, like, flips out, understandably, yeah. they, they, they say to her, like, let us follow up with with Liz. And, Which is like, can you just imagine in real life if if you as an right. adult had these pack of yeah. twelve? We we because Christy even says we have a score to settle so. with them, and Mrs. Newton's like, yeah, I go I'm for gonna call Kathy Morris because she let my kid go outside without gloves and mittens or adult supervision in the winter. Um, but yeah, you go ahead and you deal with Liz and Michelle. I think it's Liz and Michelle are yeah. like the girls that run the Babysitters Club agency. Don't worry, they're never to be heard oh, from again. I'm, I'm sure they will never show up. But so when they confront them, then which backing up to what I just completely glossed over, Christy is so upset by the confrontation with Janet and Leslie not showing up and making the Babysitters Club look badly. She cries twice in school, which oh, that just guts me because it's not sad tears it's tears of anger and so frustration but like you don't want to cry at school, school. that is just mm, that is but, the worst but the fact that it's christy crying like and again it is totally from frustration and anger but like you know that christy is not a crier and and you know that it is literally killing her to be crying and i re- oh god i remember that I'm, I, like i'm having yeah. visceral flashbacks oh, yeah. Yeah. of uh, it, you know at any time when i um because i'm a crier I a big time same um and there are times when I'm like I am in public keep it together like go find a bathroom and uh, right. I know that feeling especially when you know it's coming and there's nothing you can do to stop it and you're like I know this is an inappropriate reaction and it's just 
<sighs> I just felt my heart just broke for Christy in those yeah. scenes because she is standing in the middle of the hallway Aww. and like people are watching her and and we know that the last thing in the world they want to be is a baby and yeah. then she's crying in the hallway. Oh, it just hurts my heart. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but but so then after all the stuff with Mrs. Newton happens, they confront Liz and Michelle and they're like you guys are terrible babysitters. And they get, the girls get offended. They're like, we're not terrible babysitters, which maybe they're, maybe them in particular are not. But (laughs) our babysitters club asked them all of these very specific questions about each, like at least like 10 of the kids that they babysit for, which is maybe a little bit unreasonable. I was thinking the same thing. Like some of the questions are so specific. Like what's your favorite book? What's, um, they asked what Charlotte's favorite game is. And I was like, why did I? Well, Oh. <laughs> in my book. The oh, original. oh, is this a... Is yeah, this? so I, I did notice in the, the new updated, they do ask about Charlotte's favorite game, which is Scrabble. Yes. Which, that Charlotte, I'm like, I'm Charlotte. I don't suck my thumb, but like, I am such a Charlotte. Like, I'm such a nerd. I feel like I keep saying that. Like, people that are our age that say they were nerds, like, they are, most of them aren't actually nerds. Like, you well, and me were nerds. To be fair, they're nerds now when it's cool to be a yeah, nerd. Yeah, we, we were nerds, nerds when it was We were OG cool. nerds when yeah. you got, like, laughed out. Right. Yeah, well, and, like, we're, we're going to start posting some throwback pictures. Oh, and yeah. we're going to have to go even before we knew each other. But, like, the nerd cred is, like, strong with us. Mm-hmm. Um, awkward, weird kids, like... Yeah, not the, like, quiet, fun, well, hip, quiet. Comic-Con version quiet. of the nerd. Yeah. The, like, the spastic. You, you were the quiet, shy nerd. I was, like, the spastic, wanted to be in charge right. of everything. Look at me, look at me, nerd. Yeah. Oh, God, it's painful to think. But to go back to Charlotte's oh, yeah, favorite, favorite game. In- Gee, us tangenting? Never. Yeah, it never happens. Um, In my copy of the book, which is an original copy from the 80s, they ask what Charlotte's favorite television show is. Oh boy! So did they just change it because it was it was it like Alf or something that they don't know? Oh no! Uh, well, I'm I don't think they updated it so recently that it was as a result of his um, legal troubles. But <laughs> her favorite show is The Cosby Show. Ooh! Yeah, I, I'm guessing they updated it before all of that stuff really so came that to light. Didn't age particularly right. well. So it, it was. Um, it's for the best that that's not in there anymore. I would yeah. be interested to know when they made that change. Yeah, that that would be fascinating because if it. I mean, if it's an electronic copy, they can update it any time. So, yeah. like, it, it could have been in the last couple of years. They could have been like, yikes. Let's yeah, maybe... let, let's not even reference a TV show. Or was it, let's not reference a TV show because, like, the Cosby show was on in the 80s. I, yeah. who knows? But uh, reading that, fact, I was like, oh, 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 no. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so that's that's an interesting point um, because if it weren't for um, his indiscretions, the open secret of his, I don't know how to say it strongly enough, trash person nature. Um, human garbage. Human, yes. Um, and by the way, there's nothing alleged about this. He was convicted, so I feel very confident yes. in being like, he's a trash person. Um, I feel like that, if it weren't for that being a major news story of the last five, ten years, um, young people today probably would not know The Cosby Show. Right. It, they really don't. Uh, I guess maybe on Nick at Night and stuff, but um, I have I'm such a bad judge of what kids today know. Um, the the kids I worked with in Vegas did not know who Madonna was, oh, wow. and um, that killed a small part of my soul. Um, but the good news is there are horcrux now, so. <laughs> 
Um, it's all good. All right. So we have pretty much exhausted our great ideas. Um, yes. They all sort of blended together. That was not nearly as structured. Go figure. I mean, I feel like that's kind of how we do. going to happen yeah. a lot. Hopefully that's okay with everyone. But I know there were a couple of miscellaneous things we wanted to point out. Um, I know I have definite thoughts about the timeline um <laughs> and i have to tell you about my foray into timeline wonkiness which proves exactly why it is not my thing okay so you you do your stuff and i because i'm guessing mine will fit within this because i was sent down the rabbit hole because i don't understand how dates work so, oh boy go ahead <laughs> okay so um i did i do have a bit of um nerdiness to um confess to uh, around the timeline in this. So um, I, I, I've mentioned this in the past, but this is going to be a common thing going forward. I am obsessed with the idea that these books are supposed to basically, the kids don't really age. I think they maybe go to eighth grade. Maybe. But um, there are like 300 some books. And by the time this, the third book in the series is done, we have made it all the way through Christmas break um, or all the way to Christmas break. Right. No, through, because they talk about Christmas. Um, I don't think – they talk about Thanksgiving. I thought they were talking they about talk going – Oh, about going to – either way. Yeah, it's it's right before Christmas. Yes. Because they have the, the, the snowflake snowball, dance. Snowflake ball, what, ball dance, whatever. Yes. yes. Um, which is what I did look up. Um, these books do, do in, in fact, take place in 1986 because um, based on the date of the snowball dance, and I assumed it was a Friday because it was junior high dance, I looked up December 5th. <laughs> 1986 what day of the week it was and it was a friday so i was like okay the calendar is right so um for the record we have now had um the start of school um two school dances and the end of the first semester three books in yes so um these are going to, is going to be the longest months. Like this one in particular, Christie's great idea and Claudia and the Phantom phone calls both took place over a week, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this one goes all the way from the beginning of October through mid to end of December. Right. Um, which whew, we're burning we're burning a lot of time here, yeah. Anne. So yeah. okay, now I'm dying to hear this so, story. My my foray into timeline wonkiness um, was related to Stacy getting asked to the dance. So she gets asked to the dance on the Monday after Thanksgiving. Yes. And oh, that's the day that I looked up. Yes. Well, so th- that ties into what my <laughs> my oh, no. stupidity is. So um, Thanksgiving is always on the fourth Thursday of uh, November. Right. Third Thursday. Fourth. Fourth. Fourth Thursday of November. Um. And Pete asked Stacy to the snowball dance on the Monday after Thanksgiving. And he says, it's December 1st. And I, in my brain, thought that that meant that the dance was on December 1st. And I was like, okay, so the early... And I wasn't even into, like, 1986 yet. And I was like, okay, so the earliest that Thanksgiving can be is November 22nd, which would... Um, be that December 1st is nine days later. But Stacy says that the dance is in three weeks from when they he asked her. So I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And then I looked up, like, in 1986. I was like, well, let's see what 1986 is. November 27th was Thanksgiving. And the Monday after Thanksgiving was, was December, December 1st. 1st. Yes. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> That is hilarious. Like, this so is why I don't do this. We both looked up the same thing and went the complete opposite 
Well, so I the way that Pete asks her, Stacy is referencing that it's already December. Yes. And he says, yes. It, or she says, but that dance is in December. And he's like, it is December. December. It's December 1st or yeah. something. Or like, he says that I it's got December you. 1st. Yes. But I was interpreting the way that he said it was the dance is on December 1st. Gotcha. Like, but she was referencing that it's December oh, it, now. Oh, it's a surprise the that dance, it was. Right. And the dance is in three weeks. Oh, boy. And that that's why I, I don't do this. <laughs> Good call. I, I leave it to the experts. So um, that's why I leave fashion to you. So do we have any um, particularly good highlights? I didn't really have anything. There's, that... there's virtually no um, fashion in this one. Christy wearing typical little girl clothes. Um, Marianne wears wire rim glasses. Interesting. Not that surprising, though. No. It seems like something she would do. Um Stacy buys a dinosaur pin to attach to her red beret, which is so something I want to do now. I was just thinking about that. I was like, ooh, pins um, on berets. Yes, please. And so to sort of flashback real quick, one of the other ideas that's, that Christy has is that they should all wear sandwich boards advertising the Babysitter's Club. Oh, and so that's when right. Stacy is leaving for the day, she references that her parents have seen her over the years leave in wearing lots of crazy different things. Um, so I'll just run through the list of things that she references. Um, and Because basically she says that um, she's left for school wearing all sorts of unusual clothing and accessories, and her parents have let them go by completely unmentioned. For example, the dinosaur on her beret, red sneakers covered in beads and glitter, leg warmers covered in footprints, plastic butterflies in my hair, and for two weeks in New York, I even wore lace gloves with no fingertips, which, if you'll remember last week, Christy thought was, like, ridiculous that anyone would wear lace, lace gloves Why with would no you fingers. wear gloves with Exactly. Yes. She got caught off before the ramp could start, but, but we all know where that was you going. You know it was going to be, like, yeah. the rest of that meeting. <laughs> Speaking of Madonna. Um, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I'm ashamed to say I... Uh, rocked a number of those. Yeah. I mean, we grew up in the 80s and 90s. It, it is it was, what it is. It was not a kind time to us. Um, I think the only other sort of like random thing that I wanted to mention, um, and I think this might have been changed in your version of the book too, when Stacy and Lane go to the movies at the end and they have their big like blowout fight to like yeah. become friends again, um, Lane doesn't buy her a snack. And so Stacy's like, well, fine, I'll just go get my own. So she goes out to buy a small tab and... Something else. Okay, so first of all, popcorn. tab dates it. Right. Small I, I don't tab think and I a small it. popcorn. Um, so she balks at the fact that it's a dollar seventy-five because in Stony Brook it's ninety-five cents for those things. And then she only has a dollar because she's on Stony Brook money. Um and so Lane has to come out and give her seventy-five cents. And I think they just changed it to Stacey needs seventy-five cents. They don't say how much she needs. They do. Or how, how much total she needs. So I I just thought that that was interesting and just the fact that as much as she talks about how like how much better New York is and how much she loves New York, the fact that she's like, oh, New York is so expensive. Yeah. So they do. I gulped. I'd forgotten how expensive things were in in New York. Um, They definitely changed it from tab to Diet Coke, which makes sense. Oh, they did? Yeah. Okay. I I was like tab. I didn't remember tab. I distinctly remembered tab and I forgot to take a look and see. Um, Oh, yeah. She just says... Um, he told me the price. Right. No, there's no, no I no was 75 cents yeah. short. Yeah. Which is smart. That's a way right. to then proof, um, it future matter. proof it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Inflation means something. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, so any other random thoughts about, um, the truth about Stacy? Um, 
Stacy takes a Judy Bloom book in the car to drive to New York. Oh, and it that's doesn't say which one, but my headcanon is Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Um, I went with Forever. <laughs> Stacy's a little bit more sophisticated. Mm. Oh, maybe Tiger Eyes. Oh, I, I do love Tiger Eyes. Tiger Eyes. Um, I just want to note that um, Baby Insult Watch continues <laughs> because the most devastating burn, and I think what really started Christy crying, was when the babysitter's agency called them, Oh, look, it's the Baby Club. <sighs> Ooh, and that just, there is nothing in this universe, there is nothing worse than being called a baby. Yeah. Okay, so. um, What's our Danny Tanner moment for the episode? What's our life lesson? I totally even forgot. Um, Life lesson, stand up for yourself. Yeah. Whether it's with your parents in a, you know, in a nice way, in a calm adult manner, or people trying to get all up in your shit. Um, yeah, I think mine is, is that maturity comes from admitting what you don't know and asking for help Mm -hmm. rather than assuming you know what's up. Oh, sorry, this is totally not part of the moral, but I just want to note this on, um, Too Pure for This World, watch, um, this starts a small, very minor uh, plot thread in this book, is that Marianne doesn't know what time she was born. Mm-hmm. Um, they were ta- I forget why they were talking about that. Oh, because they were trying to come up with a plan for when Mrs. Newton went into labor, and they were like, well, oh, what if it's in the middle of the night? Gotcha. Most babies are born in the middle of the night, and Marianne realizes she doesn't know because her mom died, and they, her dad doesn't talk about him. Um, so she reaches out to Mimi because they all, they've lived on this same street mm-hmm. forever, and she winds up coming back to meet with Mimi so Mimi can tell her stories about her mother. Yeah. Which is While Mimi's teaching her how to knit. Knit. Ugh. Which just, ugh. Because Mimi's the best Because Mimi ever. is. Uh, ever. Ever, ever. Okay. So what is your prediction for Marianne Saves the Day? Okay. So the next book, number four, Marianne Saves the Day. Uh, Marianne Saves the Day? <laughs> I, uh, from unknown, um, I'm going to assume it's something fairly innocuous. Um, and not terribly necessary. Like, I don't think she's saving kids from a burning building. That would be shocking. Um, my guess is it's probably something minor. Not, maybe not minor, but there's some kind of relative emergency in a babysitting job, and she proves herself responsible. Because I'm starting to get a theme from these books. We're talking about responsibility and maturity. Yes. And um, in this book, Stacy confronts her parents about her maturity level um and i think we're gonna get into some more about marianne and her dad and her dad keeping her as a baby so maybe her saving the day is a way to show him that she's more grown up and doesn't he doesn't need to like hold on so tight i guess i don't know um, what about you? What are your? Um, do you remember anything? Because so I remember nothing. The, one of the interesting things about this one is this is one of the books I actually still had. Oh, so when I got my like lot and I was like yeah. pulled out my new one, I was like, oh, I already have this one on the shelf. I remember literally nothing about this book. <laughs> like Marianne is the narrator. Um, I did look at the cover of the book because we did talk about how we could at least Let's look, look at, at the, the cover. cover. Okay, so um, it it's her. Holding up a thermometer to the light, an old school like mercury thermometer because it was the 80s. And there's a little girl on the couch behind her and Marianne's holding her hand. So I'm guessing the little girl is maybe sick and Marianne, maybe they get like snowed in and so she has to take care of this kid. Ooh. I don't know. But um, the end of my, my, my summary for myself, so I had my notes, um, it, I'm just going to read it. Honestly, I'm more enraptured by the little girl's shoes because I want them in my size. Can we make that happen? <laughs> Um, 
so I just pulled up the cover of the ebook because um, we noted um, last week that I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or if it was just sort of our conversation. The Claudia book covers are slightly different. The mm-hmm. ebook ones still look very 80s. We'll, uh, we'll have to post side-by-side comparisons. Well, and there's also even in the paperbacks, like there's the original ones. And then when they like re-released them maybe like 10, 15 years later, they updated the pictures. So even book-wise, there are at least two different So covers. maybe that's what these are, the updated like 10 years later ones. Oh, because um, in mine, there's an ambulance and a, oh. a blonde paramedic holding the child oh my Um, that is much more dramatic so much more dramatic um (laughs) okay so well we will find out next week that we will we will read and we will let you all know we'll all learn together yay (laughs) okay so is there any final club business this week kate why don't you tell us where we can find us well where everyone can find us (laughs) where we can find ourselves on the internet yes if you or we would like to find ourselves on the internet you can find us um on instagram and twitter at generation bsc or you can email us at generation bsc at gmail.com all right um and if you like us please don't forget to rate and review and subscribe on itunes all those things that all the pod all free podcasts that you ever listen to tells you to do pretty much do it for us too at apparently really does help um and if just uh, that's you know typical podcast patter but um i will say if i can have a moment of cheese we are having so much fun with this Mm -hmm. um and are really looking forward to going through the rest of this journey so if you are enjoying listening to us please by all means tell your friends we um or tell us uh, yeah well (laughs) no i'm but like seriously i mean obviously we just love me but like any feedback. Yeah. Like like people that we know in real life, they were the ones that po- sort of pointed out on top of us already realizing we needed to do the summary. They were like, hey, I haven't read these books in 30 years. Could you maybe like maybe give reminders. us a, least of a, yeah. a tiny bit of a summary? So like things like that. If they're, or, or like I said, if you want to just tell us you love us, like we're, we're cool we're with, that, with that. But you don't have to. Um, all right. So. Okay. So I guess with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode's blah. I totally failed. <laughs> this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to-